We started a couple of weeks ago looking at Joy to the World. Many of you found out for the first time that Joy to the World was not written as a Christmas song. It was written about the second coming of Christ, right? It was written about the second coming of Christ. You know, there can never be a second coming without a first coming, right? And so we look forward to that day when our Savior comes back to call us home. Amen? We looked at last week the song, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. How the angels declared the birth of a Savior that night outside, the Bethle- in Beth- outside Bethlehem in the fields, the shepherds that were watching their sheep. Hark the herald. And today we have a new song. that to, the, the, this, this song actually is probably one of the older hymns that we sing, and many of you don't know that. Um, probably goes back to around the 1500s. wasn't published until around 1833, but this is an old folk song. As many of our Christmas hymns and carols have English or French backgrounds, this is, this is an, an, an old song that, that, that probably came to England. It was, it was a song of the peasants. It was a song that, 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 that many would sing uh, during the, 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 the Christmas season, but, but, but no one really knows who the composer was. The first Noel was just kind of one of those old folk songs that had been passed down from, from generation to generation. Now, we, we, we do know that many of the songs back in England in, during, during the, the Middle Ages were, were not being sung in churches because the church had thought that, that this celebration had become too worldly. Imagine that, Christmas becoming worldly. That's an old world problem, isn't it? So many of these great songs and carols that we sing today were banned and not sung in gatherings such as this. And so songs like the first Noel were actually sung in homes and they were sung amongst the common people as they celebrated the birth of a Savior. We don't know who the composer is, but there are some things that we can, can get, gather probably about who he is. First of all, he had an incredible love and an enthusiasm about Christmas and had a pretty good understanding uh, of Scripture. But yet, probably he erred a couple of times in the song and, and, and so probably didn't have access to a Bible. In fact, that was pretty common back in the day. Bibles weren't in great circulation during the, the, the Middle Ages. In fact, the only Bibles that you had were, were Bibles that were in churches or in monasteries, and, and, and they were written in Latin. And so for, for a commoner, a person to have access to a Bible was unheard of. But even if they did, for them to be able to read it and understand it, there was just no way. So when you think about that and this song that we're going to sing today, The First Noel, as you consider this, this old folk song written by someone who had, who had probably sang it hundreds and hundreds of times, it had been passed on to him from, from, from family members, from generations, just a great, great significance of the words that we will sing in just a few moments. It's interesting to me that This song that talks about the birth of our Savior was written by a common person, a peasant. And as I remember what we read in Luke chapter 2 last week, the the angels sang glory to God in the highest, and they declared the birth of our Savior to common shepherds. The lowest in the caste system of their day, you might say. But yet it was these shepherds who would receive the news of the birth of a Savior. The Yule log, the Yuletide log was a significant time of celebration in England. Every year the, a, a tree would be cut and, 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 and basically the, the, the inside of that tree would be hollowed out and, and filled with spices and, and people would, would light the Yule log 
in their homes and they would gather around and they would light the Yule log and, and they would sing this song that we're about to sing today, the first Noel. This song was basically signifying the first birth. That's what that word Noel means. It's kind of birthday. Pastor Howard had a birthday yesterday. I'm not going to tell you how old he is. He was born in 1969. <laughs> but they would gather and, and, and that word Noel means birth or birthday. So the literal translation of this song would be the first birth. And to begin the Christmas season, they would light the Yule log and they would gather around that Yule log and they would sing the words that we're about to stand and sing today to this song, this old folk song, the, the first Noel. And as they sing that word, Noel, 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 it was basically like we would say today, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, because you see, they knew, those peasants of old knew what Christmas was all about. It's about the birth of a king, the king of Israel, as we will sing. William Sandys published this song finally in 1833. Songs that kind of made a resurgence back in, in, in the church, back in the mid-1800s. And, and in 1833, William Sandys, who was a collector of, of old French and, and English folk songs, published a book, and he included this great song from the 1500s, The First Noel. It's a great song. And I just got to let you know, we, we have to sing all six stanzas of it today. Amen? Because this is America, and we sing it all. And really, you have to sing all six verses of this great song to really get the true story, the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ and what he came to do. And so I want to invite you to stand with us today as Damaris and Ezra lead us in this old folk song, The First Noel. I love that song. You guys sound great, by the way. I hope that you're making plans to join us if you can for Christmas in the city because uh, you guys sound so good, you sing so good, and it'd be really embarrassing for, you know, for the staff to have to carry that night because we're not as good as you guys are. And so uh, we hope that you'll make plans to join us. Hopefully you've received one of our little invites called Christmas in the City. And uh, it's going to be a great night as we gather on Bernie's Main Plaza. 6 p.m. will be done by 7. So you guys can go and enjoy uh, your family activities that night. And just a reminder, as we saw today in our announcement video, we'll, we'll, we will not be having Christmas Day worship services here in this house. You guys are going to be conducting them in your houses all across this area. Amen. We're going to provide a little guide for you, for those of you that just need some help and would like to, to have something to share with your family that morning. It'll be a great time. But uh, I, I love Christmas, don't you? Anybody happy? Merry Christmas, anybody? Good. I love this song because I think this song reflects on three of, uh, uh, of the, the most preeminent events that, that people think of when they, they think of Christmas. First is, it's, it's, Christmas is about the birth of Christ. You know that, right? It is about the birth of Jesus. In fact, did you catch that, that, that phrase, born as the king of Israel, is, is, is repeated the final line of each verse that we sang, right? Do you remember that? Or should we sing it again just to jog your, your memory, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's born is the king of Israel. This, this writer, this composer, whoever it was, wanted people not to confuse what Christmas was all about. It's about the birth of a king. It's, it's a baby that would be the king come to set his people free. Every verse ends with that phrase. Those, those, those first two verses discuss these angels' appearance to, to shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem announcing the birth of Jesus. 
Now, this is a great song, and, and, and although this song is fairly faithful to the biblical account, I don't know if you caught this when we sang it, but, but there are a couple of items in, in, in this song that, that are not in the original biblical accounts of the birth of Jesus. Did you know that? And, and don't blame the author. Keep in mind, he had no access, or she had no access to Scripture. She's simply retelling and writing down the story as, as best he or she knew that story, but, but there's no indication in the, in the, in, in, in the biblical account of, of it being a cold winter's night when Jesus was born. You remember singing that? On a cold winter's night that will... No, there, there's no account written in scripture that, that the night that Jesus was born, it was a cold winter's night. In fact, it might not have even been winter so some people say that maybe Jesus was born in, in the spring, maybe April or May. Some say maybe in, in September. I, I don't know. I just know that a king's been born, right? In fact, just to be safe, maybe we ought to just celebrate it all year to make sure we get it right. So leave those lights up on your house. Be that neighbor, you know. HOA's going crazy. But, uh, but it, we don't, it wasn't necessary. The scripture doesn't say it was a cold. All, I know us Westerners, we, we always pray for that white Christmas, right? We're longing for snow. So we just, maybe we've made the birth story a Western theme. I don't know. But the Bible gives no indication as to what the weather pattern was the night that Jesus was born. Secondly, they, 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 they may have seen it, but the Bible, the biblical account does not indicate as the author wrote in the first Noel it does not write in, in Scripture that the shepherds were the one that noticed the star, which later we do know through Scripture was the, the star that guided the, the wise men to, to Bethlehem. So don't be knocking the author, the composer. Maybe that's why we don't know who it is. I don't know. But, but bottom line is they were doing their very best to tell an incredible birth story. And isn't it an incredible story? An incredible story. The final verses of this song deal with the wise men from the east that came to see Jesus. And there is a lot written and has been made about the wise men, right? They, they, they came to see Jesus. Numerous songs that we sing this time of the year have been written uh, 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 about them, right? Um, in fact, I want to just read the, the entire biblical account of, of their visit as it says in Matthew chapter 2. Let's read together. Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We, we saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply what? He was what? He was disturbed. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? They said, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with what? They're filled with 
joy. You see, this is an exciting time for us, isn't it? Filled with joy. And they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The wise men. The wise men. You know, there's something else that we kind of do during Christmas with these wise men. We, we always place them at the manger scene, don't we? That they were there present. You know that they weren't there at the birth of Jesus, right? And I know how many of you are. Your nativity sets, you've got three wise men there. Shame on you. Biblically inaccurate. So here's, we need you to destroy that and just, it's just, that's not, it's a joke. My wife says, honey, you need to let people know when you're not serious. The rest of my sermon is serious. No, but we know that, that actually the wise men did not, they weren't present the night that Jesus was born. In fact, as we read there in Matthew chapter 2, it was some time. Some, some scholars tell us that, that, that Jesus might have been about 40 days old or could have been up to two years. But they, they made their presence known to him after the purification process. See, there was about a seven-day process, purification process for the woman. And then of the 33 days in which in the home they would participate in rituals and things before she could ever be made public or come out and there was a process that took place, a purification process. And so Jesus could have been 40 days up to two years old by the time the wise men came. And there were three of them, right? We don't know that. You got three wise men at that nativity scene in your living room. And we just assumed there were three because they brought how many gifts? Three, right? And because, you know, they're massive, it takes one per gift, Right. Gold, frankincense, there could have been two. There could have been 300 wise men. I don't know. Um, some of you are going, man, gosh, Christmas is all screwed up as I've known it, right? <laughs> Sorry to be Debbie Downer for you today. But no, it really is a great celebration. Here's the great thing about Christmas. Despite all of those things, and, and, and don't you just love the attitude of this composer, the first, just simply trying to tell the story as they've been, been told for years from, from ancestors, and, and they gathered around the Yule log and would sing. He wanted to know, people to know about this first birth. And when you think about Christmas, is it not incredible? Listen, that God would take upon himself our humanity and walk among us. That's the message of Christmas. Christmas is not about you having another day off of work or getting more junk or getting frustrated in a checkout line, or eating food that you only eat twice a year, right? Christmas is about a God that came as a baby born in a manger, a Savior to save us. I love what John, the Apostle John writes in John chapter 1. I love how he puts it. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Listen, God came to us. Emmanuel, that name means God with us. That's the story of Christmas. That's the incredible truth of the Christmas message. I mean, even, even God's revelation about this virgin birth, the supernatural conception of this baby through a work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that does little to lessen the mystery and the wonder of it. It is no wonder. 
It's no wonder to me that Mary exclaimed, hey, how can this be? Would you not freak out too if you had a son the way Mary had a son? That's not natural. A work of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. And oh, make no mistake about it, this baby that you have, Mary, whoo, will be the one to set their people free. Listen, I know as a parent, you've got great expectations for your kids, but do you realize Mary's baby would be the savior of the world? You'd freak out too, folks. You'd probably say, how in the world is this possible? And we get all up in Joseph's grill too about, oh, I can't believe you kind of thought about sending her off quietly. You'd freak out too, dudes, wouldn't you? If this was happening to your Girlfriend, your fiance, not fiance. You, how can this be? It's incredible. This incredible story. For for years, that the composer of the first Noel, he and his friends and families would sing about, and they would do their best to pass on from generation. It is still a story that even today we gather together and we celebrate this amazing event, don't we? Do you celebrate it? Do you really enjoy it? Do you soak it in and understand what's happening here? This is an amazing event. I oftentimes wonder, what were Mary and Joseph really thinking? We know that they were a little little weirded out by it. But after the birth, how did they rejoice? I wonder what what was filling their thoughts and minds. And very few little words are, are recorded for us to even tell us what they were thinking. The, 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 the first celebration that the Bible gives us is that of, of the angels. In, in, in Luke 2, 14, it says, the angels declare glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. Their, their glory, the angels' glory to God in the highest would, would later be echoed by those same lowly downcast shepherds who returned from their stable, praising and glorifying God. Look what it says in verse 20 of Luke 2. The shepherds also went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. They'd seen it just as the angel had told them. Do you celebrate and really rejoice over this incredible birth? Or has it just become rote and routine to us? Do we get so caught up in the, 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 the worldliness of it all that we really miss the glory of it all? It's interesting to me that just as the author of the first Noel was a common peasant, that the angels would choose also commoners of the day, shepherds, to announce the birth of this baby that would save the world. You know what that says to me? I'm just kind of reading it, but listen, this is a Savior that came for all mankind. Not, not, not just those who had it all together. Not just the, the, the social elites of the day. Not, not, not just religious people. I mean, the, the, the people that we do know who were present at his birth were just common people. Mary, Joseph, common people. Shepherds, the lowest of the low in that day and age. Commoners, ah, but this baby would be for all mankind. Does that not give you great hope? Listen, if you're here today and and you, you, you don't know Jesus, listen, I want you to know that there's nothing you have to do in order to earn his love. He just loves. You don't have to have it all figured out. 
In fact, today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and say yes to Jesus because it's the most important decision of your life you will ever make. But listen, you don't have to have your life in order and figured out in order to come to Jesus. I'm telling you, he came for common people, jacked up people. Anybody in this room jacked up? Let me see your hands. How many? All of you just screwed up. But he came. He came for us. Speaking of the angels in Luke chapter 2, I know that we're talking about them a lot. I want us to look at their response to the birth of Jesus. Let's look at the response briefly, if we can, to these mighty, angelic beings. Hey, can I, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever seen a frightening angel in a nativity scene? No, you, you haven't either. Most of the time when we look at that jacked up nativity scene that you have that is biblically inaccurate in your house, you, there, there's probably an angel there. You've got a tree topper of an angel, and, and they're, they're, they're either a cute little kid they're, they're a beautiful woman, or they're an effeminate-looking man. Kind of like worship team people, right? You know? <laughs> Preachers are yoked. <laughs> Just kidding. Lord, help me right now. Just... I love our worship team. They're the best in the nation. Praise Jesus. Glory, Shalavaga. They're awesome. <laughs> Just as the first Noel had a couple of inaccurate descriptions in its song of a wintry night and the shepherds following the star, so many of our images of, of these mighty angelic beings are screwed up as well. Listen, biblically speaking, angels were frightful creatures. That they were now listen, they, they, they weren't frightful because they were ugly, but because of the strangeness of an encounter with a heavenly being. The, the most common response, as a matter of fact, throughout the Bible, when someone encountered uh, uh, an angel, the most common response was fear. Ne nearly every episode that you read about an angel encountering a human being in Scripture, you, you, it results in the human falling prostrate before his visitor. And, and, and some of the very first words that you'll find that an angel would say to a human in this position, it would say, hey, fear not, right? Because they were just, it was awesome. Or they would say words like, don't be afraid. In the book of Revelation, the picture becomes more frightening as the angels of God's avenging wrath await release. Clearly, angels are not to be taken lightly. And so such was the case here in Luke chapter 2 that we looked at last week and we've already looked at a couple of times today. Such was the case when these mighty angelic beings visited a group of shepherds tending their flocks on the night of Jesus' birth. Those shepherds did what you did, would do. You would tremble in fear. But that's why the angel said that night outside of Bethlehem, don't be afraid. And as Linus reminded us of, for I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Oh, come on. Those messengers of God delivered that amazing message that Christ the Messiah had been born that day. I, I love the response of the angels, the very messengers of, of the good news. And, and, and I believe that there's something that we can learn from them this Christmas season, from the angels, from their response. And I don't know about you. I, I don't know what your Christmas traditions involve. I don't know if you guys you know, have things you do each and every day. I don't know what will happen for you and your family on the 25th. I don't know, but those angels worshiped. Is worship a part of your Christmas ritual? Is worship a part of what you do during 
the most wonderful time of the year. You see, upon delivering the message to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem that night, these mighty angelic beings, they worship. And they worshiped him for three reasons. I believe they worshiped him because he is God. Listen, they declared in verse 14, glory to God, they exclaimed, in the highest. Hey, can I tell you something about this God that they were worshiping? He is not some little God to be pulled out of a closet once a year. He is God in the highest. He is the creator of all. He is the one true God. And I'm telling you, woo, he is worthy of our worship. Somebody shout glory right now. No matter what else he may ever do for us, this God was worthy of worship. Amen. They also worshiped him because of what he had done. Listen, God has something great and marvelous. And rather than leaving creation, leaving us in our sins, listen, he sent his son and with him, scripture says, peace on earth. Now the peace that, 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 that they were proclaiming here is not national peace as so many think today. No, the peace that the angels were declaring in Luke chapter 2 was peace that spoke of God's plan of bringing rebellious sinners like you and like me back into a relationship with a righteous king. You see, that's the peace on earth that you need this Christmas. That's the peace you long for. That's the peace you need. Hey, it makes no difference if we have national peace if your soul is at war. You need peace. You need the peace on earth Oh, that this baby born in a manger brings to somebody. Has anybody experienced that? Let me hear you right now. They also worshiped him because of why he has done it. Do you ever realize, why did God come? Listen, God did not have to send his son Jesus, did he? He he would have been well within his rights just to to wipe the earthly slate clean and start over again, have a do-over. With, with a people that would love him and be righteous and holy, a group of people that would pursue him. He had every right just to wipe us and wipe everything out and start over, but he didn't do that, did he? You see, God reached out in mercy to save us. And he did so because it pleased him to do so, as Scripture says. He sent his son to save those with whom God is pleased. And so I don't know what you think about Christmas, and I don't know what you do as part of your family gathering and celebration, but I'm just telling you, the right response to the Christmas story isn't, oh, how cute. No, the right response is, oh, how gracious, how gracious God is. You see, the first Noel ought to drive us to our knees. It ought to cause us to lift our voices to God in gratitude. That's why Christ came Oh, come, let us adore him. He is a baby wrapped in a manger, and he's wrapped in snuggling cloths, but I'm telling you, he is the savior of the world. He is the one that has come to bring peace to your torn up, jacked up life. Do you know him? I love what A.W. Tozer once said. He said this, Jesus was born of a virgin. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He died on the cross and he rose from the grave to make worshipers out of rebels. That's you and me. We were rebels. And he came and he died and he suffered and he rose again. Oh, so that we could stand and sing, Oh, come, 
let us adore him. Hey, listen, Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's the reason for the season. (laughs) It's about him. It's about remembering his birth and the life that he lived here. Listen, he was born here on earth. He he lived here, he died here, and he was raised here. Why? So that all of us could have a new way to have a relationship with God. I'm just wondering, do you know him? The song that we sang this morning, it's a song of hope. The first Noel is a song of salvation that came with the birth of Jesus. And we celebrate not only the newness of his life, but but also this opportunity for new birth that is offered to each one of us. Listen, the king is born. And it is his blood that will make us new. Hey, don't miss this. Whatever sin, whatever shortcoming, Whatever failure, whatever weakness you may have, listen, a child is born and he's come to save you. I'm wondering, do you know him? Will you build your life around him? Will you worship him? Will you follow him? Will you seek him? Will you tell others about him? Father, thank you for the reminder of what Christmas is and why we worship and why we celebrate. We invite you to stand and sing with us.